holiday plans on hold. It's been such a crazy year and we don't know what the holidays are going to look like at this point. How COVID is forcing people to rethink how they celebrate this year. Sacrificing health for humanity. They are asking for a two-year commitment. What it's really like for a vaccine test subject. And the old jail for sale. Downstairs used to be old solitary confinement. How you can do the time without the crime in this historic building. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We have new details and fresh data tonight about where COVID-19 cases are growing in this province. First, let's get a look at the latest numbers. We have 711 new cases, bringing BC's total to 36,133. Sadly, we've lost 11 more people, which means 492 people have now died from complications of the virus. 338 people are in hospital, 76 in the ICU, 24 5,658 are considered recovered. We're now left with 9,050 active cases and 10,957 people in self-isolation. So let's go to Keith Baldry, who joins us now. Keith, there's been a brand new dump of data today on the virus in B.C., and there's some reason at least to be optimistic here. In certain parts of the province, Chris, yes. The Center for Disease Control updates its maps, which geographically distributes the virus, shows you where it's been for the last two weeks. And when we compare the recent reporting period of two weeks with the previous two weeks, it tells a fairly encouraging story in parts of BC. Have a look at these statistics. Again, the reporting period up until December 3rd. So the growth, of really, Fraser South, 4,600 cases, but it's down 175 from the previous reporting period. Same story in Fraser North, uh, and also in Vancouver and North Shore. All three metro areas are down from the previous reporting period. That's good news. Bad news, take a look at elsewhere in the province, and we're seeing the virus start spreading in greater numbers. Uh, Central Okanagan, 597 cases. That's up 177 from the previous reporting period. Thompson Caribou, Northern up as well, and Vancouver Island. So a bit of good news, bad news there, but the best news is most of the people live in Metro, and that's where it seems to be a leveling off of the cases. And I'll leave you with a little bit more encouraging information as we end the week. The positivity rate today is the lowest it's been since the public health order came into effect in early November. The positivity rate in Fraser Health is also the lowest it's been in since uh, November 11th. And finally, the number of uh, cases, again, continue to drop by a, a greater number across uh, Metro Vancouver than we've seen for quite some time. That's good news. It's not enough, though, I think, to prevent Dr. Barney Henry from extending that public health order on Monday when it expires, likely to uh, extend it for another two weeks trending in the right direction but a long way to go it sounds like all right keith thanks very much all right moving on to some breaking news now a vancouver private school is the first in the city to close due to the impacts of the pandemic our lady of perpetual help in point gray issued a letter to parents today saying the school is experiencing severe staffing constraints it says it's unable to staff the school at the level which is deemed safe effective tuesday it will be moving all classes online as a result until december 18th that will be followed by the two-week christmas break 
Two schools in the Fraser Health region were also forced to close temporarily last month due to similar staffing issues, but they have both reopened. And several local universities are extending their upcoming winter breaks because of COVID-19. UBC, SFU and Capilano University are extending the break by one week with the return of classes now set for January 11th. That's so that students and staff can better prepare for another term under pandemic restrictions. The health region that's been hardest hit by the COVID pandemic has introduced a new online option to help with the growing task of contact tracing. Fraser Health now has a contact tracing form available on its website for people who've tested positive. The form requires the person to fill out personal identifiers, symptoms and potential exposure contacts. Once that's submitted, health officials say they'll follow up with everyone identified on the form. Fraser Health says it has hired more contact tracers and the introduction of the new form is not because its system has become overwhelmed. With such rapid increase of cases, there were, uh, we weren't able to follow up the cases as quickly and as uh, promptly as we wanted to. But uh, we have been uh, caught up now for several, um, several days uh, and uh, everybody is being notified Uh, within 24 hours. Fraser Health says the online option is designed to appeal more to people between the ages of 20 and 39 who make up the majority of new cases in the region. Well, despite the ongoing restrictions and economic slowdown, B.C. is still leading the way in Western Canada in new job growth. The latest Statistics Canada numbers show while some industries are still hurting, others have rebounded to pre-pandemic levels. Richard Zussman reports. Economic bounce back. We've seen uh, a steady uh, increase in jobs in B.C. for the last seven months. It's British Columbia leading the way when it comes to new jobs among the country's biggest provinces. In the last month, 24,000 new full-time jobs have been created in the province, 335,000 jobs since May. And unemployment down 0.9 to 7.1%. I think it's more and more confidence that people can open safely and that people can visit businesses safely as well. There is still higher unemployment among women than men, but the gap is closing. Economists surprised the economy is bouncing back this quickly. At the low point in this crisis, we were down 400,000 jobs. So being down just 40, actually just 36,000 is is quite remarkable. There are still some gaps due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Over the last year, some key sectors have still not recovered. Culture and recreation has seen 9,800 jobs disappear. Accommodation sector down 6,300 jobs and retail down 16,500 jobs. There are uh, several sectors which continue to be either decimated or significantly challenged uh, through the pandemic. When you look at uh, what's, what's happening in tourism, when you look at uh, hospitality. Many of those sectors driven by tourism. With calls from Premier John Horgan and Dr. Bonnie Henry not to travel, the struggles could last for months. And the B.C. Liberals say the government has not been quick enough to provide financial relief for the industry. The government could uh, could could make changes to the small business recovery grant, which they announced with great fanfare. Uh, that is highly highly restrictive. Uh, there are thousands of, of small businesses that that do not meet the eligibility requirements. The tourism sector will be watching closely next week as a task force is set to put forward recommendations on how they could receive help. The government will decide how long a lifeline to toss to those businesses unsure how long they can stay afloat. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
And because you can't travel very far, or at least you're not supposed to, Vancouver's mayor and the region's top doctor are encouraging you to safely visit shops and restaurants in your own neighbourhood. The City of Vancouver and Vancouver Coastal Health are throwing their weight behind Buy Local Week. The campaign is urging people to mask up, stay two metres apart, and go spend your money at local businesses, which the chief medical health officer insists are safe. Over the last month, if you go on the Vancouver Coastal Health website, there's only been a single public notification of potential exposure in one business in Vancouver. That is testament to the very good job that our local businesses are doing in implementing COVID safety plans. They've gotten very good at it over the last number of months. I personally will believe that these are safe places to dine in, to shop in. Dr. Daly also echoes what Keith said a little while ago, that over the past few weeks, there's been a leveling off and now a decrease of new COVID-19 cases in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region. A new survey finds the majority of British Columbians have altered their Christmas plans this year because of their concerns about COVID-19. John Hua has the details and some advice from an expert on how to prevent Christmas 2020 from becoming one big bah humbug. With COVID-19 cutting so much from people's lives... You ready for this? There are at least a few holiday traditions families can still fall back on. Everything else has changed, but this is one thing that we can do that's the same. In fact, Dogwood Christmas Tree Farm in Langley has never been busier. People came like never before. I know the other farms are are just as busy as we are. With many trying to tap into the holiday spirit early as a small escape from this new reality. It's been such a crazy year and we don't know what the holidays are going to look like at this point. With no one quite sure how the holidays will measure up during this pandemic. We need to stay all in, 100% committed to getting us through these next few weeks to months. The possibility of losing out time with loved ones has political leaders across the country being accused of having hearts two sizes too small. I'm the guy who's stealing Christmas to keep you safe. And while the Grinch might plan to steal Christmas for many, COVID-19 likely already has. According to a new Leger survey, 74% of British Columbians have changed their plans for the holiday season. 30% will not take part in any holiday festivities. And 64% support a total ban on all holiday gatherings. We want to make a plan so that we're not swayed by fears of what could go wrong. And we know that we're staying true to what we think is safest for our family. And holding on to hope for a traditional Christmas will only leave families as the host to more anxiety. If you find a way to make the holiday meaningful and joyous for yourself, your kids are going to pick up on that. Back at Dogwood Farm, that starts with being able to pick out the perfect tree. Have a few little familiar things that remind us of what's important. A little light to help us with the heavy lift of getting through this unusual holiday season. John Hua, Global News. An extensive new survey is shedding some light on who is being most impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic and how. The survey was done back in the spring by the B.C. Centre for Disease Control and has been used for months by provincial health officials to determine which services will stay open. But its findings have only just been released now. Nadia Stewart has the details. It is a snapshot of a province in the early stages of the pandemic, grappling with unprecedented restrictions that were having a life-changing impact. 
but I think the truths and the um, the messages that this survey highlights remain both relevant and timely. The BC Centre for Disease Control releasing Friday the results of a massive survey. More than 400,000 people participated from May 12th to the 31st. Hi there, welcome back to Rose. Back then, we were just entering phase two. Restaurants began collecting names and numbers of diners as they looked for safe ways to reopen. BC parks were only welcoming local visitors, and the city of Vancouver introduced slow streets. That sounds amazing. Yeah? That sounds like just what we need right now. <laughs> Let's slow down a little. It seems so long ago, especially given so much has changed since then. The province is now dealing with a deadly second wave and tougher restrictions on gathering. Still, the BC CDC says the data is important. One of the values is to make sure that we continue that conversation, even at the height of, of the second wave. It is a health survey that also captures socioeconomic factors, such as ethnicity, income and education, helping to paint a clearer picture of BC's population. There are some numbers that stand out. Back in May, over 60% of British Columbians across all regions said they'd lost childcare, and an equally high number said COVID-19 was affecting their work. The 18 to 29 age group reported a higher rate of um, declining mental health, difficulty making ends meet, and a declined social connection. The kind of data that could help to inform future policy decisions, even as this current COVID wave is telling another story of a province navigating a pandemic. Nadia Stork, Global News. Rumors of a deal that might spring embattled Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou. She's been fighting extradition to the U.S. ever since her arrest two years ago at YVR. The latest on recent reports that backroom negotiations just might give her a way out of it. That's in just over a minute. Three more people have been charged in the Nova Scotia shooting rampage. How they're accused of helping the shooter, even if they didn't know his plans later. And how a Florida joyride turned into a dolphin rescue mission. That's coming up on the News Hour. Right now, though, Tuesday marked the two-year anniversary of Meng Wanzhou's arrest at Vancouver International Airport. The Huawei executive's case has become a major diplomatic dispute involving Canada, the Trump administration, and China. And now there's word a plea deal may be in the works. Our Amina Dea takes a look at what that might entail. It's been two years since Meng Wanzhou was detained at YVR. Ms. Meng, why should people believe you that you won't breach your bail? According to the Wall Street Journal, Meng would have to admit wrongdoing in exchange for her freedom, a deal she is not prepared to make, according to the paper. The billionaire heiress and CFO of Huawei says she's innocent of charges of bank fraud levied against her by the U.S. She should not admit to any wrongdoing if there was no wrongdoing. Uh, she followed the rules. Meng's lawyers not commenting on a potential deferred prosecution agreement reportedly being discussed with the U.S. Department of Justice. The Prime Minister also silent on the matter. But Justin Trudeau did comment on the two Michaels. For almost two years, we've been working uh, extremely hard. Uh, to bring home these two Michaels. Uh, it is an absolute priority for the government. Um, I won't be commenting on any of the recent reports. 700 plus days and counting. 
That's how long Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor have been detained in China on questionable charges of spying. The Canadians arrested nine days after Meng, a move viewed as retaliation by Beijing. The Chinese government clear on its position. Meng Wanzhou is innocent, and she did not commit any crime, says a spokesperson, adding the U.S. is trying to suppress Chinese high-tech. Canada has also played a role that is not honorable. Political analysts believe it would be better to wait until Joe Biden takes office next month because a DPA is not a victory for everyone. You know, if the deferred prosecution goes through, then Canada still has to negotiate with China for the release of those two Michaels. And that would probably mean that we'd have to make some sort of concessions to the Chinese government that we normally would not like to do. The next move is Meng's. She remains under house arrest at her multi-million dollar jail in Vancouver. Romina Dea, Global News. Service has now been restored at the credit and debit pay kiosks at SkyTrain and CBus stations, but TransLink officials aren't providing any other details about the company's recent ransomware attack. Since Tuesday, a number of services were impacted by what one cybersecurity expert warns is a crime that's only going to become more common. Jordan Armstrong has the latest. The eGregor ransomware infecting TransLink has a unique calling card. A print bomb. Ransom notes shoot from office printers, making it impossible for a corporation to hide the attack. The more chaos you can sow, the more you, know, you increase the likelihood, again, through the perspective of, of the cyber criminals, um, that an organization w- will pay up just to end the chaos. The eGregor chaos also hit Kmart, plus Barnes & Noble, two of nearly 70 mostly American victims since this strain of ransomware surfaced in September. The ransom demand for TransLink is believed to be in the millions, but sources say TransLink does not intend to pay. Cybersecurity experts we spoke to say it's the right move. It's certainly painful to not pay these things, and it, it's far better, though, for the organization to take the immediate pain and um, build back stronger than to pay these groups. Either way, he says, the cost to TransLink in the form of rebuilding its IT network and devices will likely reach six figures. The minister responsible for TransLink says a forensic investigation to determine the scope of the attack continues. And at this point, there's no guarantee personal information is safe. What I can say is that uh, is that to date, uh, uh, no threat to British Columbians' uh, personal financial information has been uh, identified. The belief inside TransLink is the hack started with a phishing email. Experts say it's a wake-up call to other organizations. We need to know exactly what happened, how it happened, and share that information widely so other public services, particularly I'm thinking about hospitals, critical services, can make sure that they're resilient and learn from this pain. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Surrey RCMP are warning drivers that traffic in several parts of Metro Vancouver could be extremely congested tomorrow because of another protest in support of farmers in India. The protest could be even bigger than this one on Wednesday when hundreds of demonstrators drove in a convoy from Surrey to downtown Vancouver. Surrey RCMP say they anticipate more than a thousand vehicles to gather at the Cloverdale Fairgrounds and then at 11 a.m. drive to the Indian Consulate in Vancouver. Still to come, they are twice the fun on the daily commute. So I said, you know, why can't we have double-decker buses? 
The man whose relentless determination first brought double-decker buses to Victoria as they reached their 20-year milestone. Also tonight, a sacrifice for science. Why one man got involved in the COVID vaccine trials. It's busy through Surrey this afternoon. Highway 10 westbound right lane is blocked off at 248th and 248th north and southbound blocked on the north side of Highway 10 because of a, a semi-truck with a shifted load. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmart and real Canadian superstores throughout BC. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com open every day. In Global One, I'm Amber Belzer. The city of Vancouver is now the owner of two more derelict downtown Eastside hotels. The city announcing late today that it's reached a settlement with the owners of the Balmoral and Regent hotels to expropriate the properties. The city shut down the hotels in 2017 and 2019 after years of battling the owners over safety and health issues. The plan is to turn the properties into low-income housing. BC Transit is marking the 20th anniversary of double-decker buses first rolling onto Victoria streets on August 1st, 2000. That's right. Well, since then, they've collectively logged in more than 11 million kilometers. Our Kylie Stanton spoke with a now-retired bus driver who was the driving force bringing the special buses to all of us. For a BC Transit driver, stepping on board a bus is like taking a walk down memory lane. Or perhaps in this case, a walk up. Brilliant view from sitting up over here in the front. In his nearly 40-year career, Traver Laferve logged 2 million kilometers on the road, accident-free. But a dream turned reality, added so much more to his legacy. There was a suggestion box. 20 years ago, when the fleet was in need of high-capacity buses to accommodate growing ridership, Laferve's wheels were turning. And this is the product. Bus number 9001, the first ever double-decker bus in North America to hit the streets as part of a public transit system. Since then, they've grown in numbers, a total of 67, and grown in popularity. People love them, and they've really become a part of the landscape in Victoria. The first 10 double-deckers have a combined 11 million kilometres. To put that in perspective, that's three one-way trips to the moon per bus. But come January, they're going to be retired, not in service for good. And at BC Transit, we really wanted to celebrate these buses and honour them the best way we could. As part of the campaign, bus 9001 will be getting redeckled to its original colour scheme before its return to the manufacturer eventually relocating to a transit museum in the U.S. You can look out the front. A full circle moment for Lafer. This is the one that I had the privilege to drive in England from where it was manufactured to the docks where it was put on the, on the ship. Replacement double-deckers will be added to the fleet in early 2021, keeping Lafer's legacy very much alive, despite his humility. I just look at it as being part of the job in putting an idea forward, and, and so here we are. Kelly Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Cool legacy. All right, still ahead, the human science experiment. Is it effective? Is it going to last a long time? His motivation to become a COVID vaccine volunteer. And the pandemic's gender imbalance, why female entrepreneurs are hit harder than most. 
Cancer is relentless, but for every patient, every chemo appointment, every radiation treatment, BC Cancer is there to change the outcome. With your help, BC Cancer won't stop until it's done. Donate today at bccancerfoundation.com. In Surrey, Highway 17 has a couple of problems. Here's a stalled semi westbound west of Bridgeview, but at 104th and just north of 176, we also have two issues uh, that are over to the shoulder before and after 104th Avenue. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and Real Canadian Superstores throughout BC. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com. Open every day. Three more people have been charged in connection with the Nova Scotia massacre last April, including the gunman's ex-girlfriend. Police say 52-year-old Lisa Diane Banfield, 64-year-old James Blair Banfield, and 60-year-old Brian Brewster are all facing charges of providing ammunition to the gunman. On April 18th and 19th, gunman Gabriel Wortman went on a 13-hour murderous rampage in rural Nova Scotia killing 22 people and burning several homes to the ground. Wortman was killed by police on April 19th. All three charged will appear in court on January 27th. A longtime Surrey fugitive with a bounty on his head has been caught in Montreal. Police had been looking for Miaz Nor Eldin since July of last year for a number of crimes, including sex trafficking, kidnapping, assault and firearms offenses. A $50,000 reward was announced for him back in March, along with a Canada-wide warrant as part of the BOLO program, encouraging citizens to be on the lookout for fugitives. Well, there's no doubt small businesses have been hard hit during the COVID-19 pandemic, but new data points to businesses owned by women as having an especially tough time. Global's Karen Lieberman explains. For the next two weeks, Amanda Monday will be at home with her two young children after one of them was exposed to COVID-19 in the classroom. They're in lockdown right now because there were multiple positive cases in her class and... Uh, there's nobody to be in isolation with her but me. Monday is a mompreneur, owner of The Workaround, a parent-friendly workspace in Toronto's East End, which is closed during the lockdown. It doesn't matter the sector. If it's a business led by a woman, it's struggling. Accounting software firm FreshBooks looked at data from thousands of small Canadian businesses. What it found was a startling difference between how businesses owned by women were faring compared to those owned by men during the pandemic that industries most affected during the pandemic are women-dominated. So education, restaurant, hospitality. And so these businesses, if you are a self-employed person who has a, a business that works in these industries, it's been harder for you to recover. While small businesses continue to struggle, the data suggests to date Canadian women-owned businesses have taken 10 weeks to rebound compared with five weeks for male-owned businesses. For Amanda, there is strength and support in numbers, but the reality that she and her female counterparts bear the brunt of the economic fallout from the pandemic is tough to swallow. Karen Lieberman, Global News. Now, a former BC resident is one of thousands of people who are now testing COVID-19 vaccines to make sure they're safe and effective for the rest of us. Aaron MacArthur tells us how he's doing and why he's taking part, even though he has friends who don't believe in it. As companies race to get vaccines to billions of people, a big part of that process has been clinical trials. People around the world have rolled up their sleeves and taken a jab in the arm. 
including Canadians. I wanted to do all I could to try to help bring about a vaccination for my family, my friends, my students, and my country. And I've, I've felt it safe, and I know that vaccines, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough that people my age had polio. The side effects of the shots, so far, minimal. You don't even really feel it going in. It's that, it's that fine of a needle. It's, it's the next day, the muscle's a bit tender. There is no way to know if the test subjects received vaccine or a placebo. But in the people who were inoculated, company supplied data suggests they are up to 95% effective. The next question, how many people will need to be vaccinated in order to protect the population as a whole? We have an assumption that you would probably need about 60 to 70% of people to be vaccinated. But we do not know that. Already some setbacks in the worldwide supply chain. Pfizer has said it will only deliver half of what it promised to the U.S. by the end of the year. AstraZeneca has had issues with dosage, forced to redo part of its trial. Canada has secured another 20 million doses of the Moderna vaccine. This will bring Canada's total allotment of this vaccine to 40 million doses to be delivered in 2021. According to recent polling, Canadians are comfortable waiting into 2021 before vaccinations are ready on a wider scale. But the trickle of immunizations expected to begin in the new year. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Up ahead, how would you like your next home to look like a castle? The price for a part of the old penitentiary and what you get for the money. Also coming up in sports, what the Seahawks are doing better than most football teams. And it has nothing to do with football. A heroic rescue off the coast of Miami, Florida, and it was all caught on video. Oh, yo, hey, she's caught. She's caught in a net. Yo, you want to try to help her? A jet ski joyride turned into a dolphin rescue mission. The dolphin tangled in commercial fishing gear, thrashing but unable to get free. Worried the mammal might drown, one of the jet skiers jumps into to try to saw through the thick nylon rope. It did take some effort. Eventually, both jet skiers working to free the dolphin, but their work paid off in the end, and the reward was sweet. The dolphin returned to its pod, and the pod then seemed to give their rescuers a truly awe-inspiring thank you. Whole family came by to say thanks. Isn't that nice to see? Uh, nice to see some more sunshine today, too. Christy's uh, out in the cool evening air tonight with what's to come on the weekend. Christy? Thanks, Chris. Yes, the world dropped down to zero degrees with the clear skies, but boy, was it warm today. I thought I would show you some of the numbers in Pitt Meadows, which you can't see on this map, hit 12 degrees today. This is a good two, three degrees above seasonal for this time of year, and that's all the way along the coast. A little cooler inland, but not bad for December, everyone. And it was another stunning sunrise. So thank you to everyone who shared your photos with us. You'll probably see another gorgeous one tomorrow. So if you're up and you want to check it out, probably a good idea to do so. So your Saturday is going to continue with sunshine for most of southern BC. North coast region, though, you are going to see periods of rain, and that front is going to shift into our region on 
Sunday. Now, it's not going to be a soaker, but we have cloud and a chance of showers expected through the day on Sunday. But that is not too bad, at least salvaging one sunny day. And the majority of the rain on Sunday really will be north of our area. So if we do see it, it would just be a sprinkle, not too much. North coast, though, periods of rain and wind for you tomorrow. Inland regions across the south expect some cloud cover, especially through the morning. If you want to see the majority of the sunshine head higher up and certainly towards the end of the day, you'll see it. For our region, mainly sunny, some patchy fog in through the morning hours, but double digit temperatures again tomorrow and likely on Sunday also. But again, Sundays when we have a chance of a little bit of moisture. Majority of the rain, though, isn't set to push in until Monday. And here's your central windows weather window from today looking out over Pitt River. Thank you so much. Uh, blue sky, blue in the water, nice and calm and the nice colors of fall there as well. Love it. Beautiful. Thanks, Christy. Well, very unusual property just hit the real estate market. And with its colorful history, if you're interested, you might want to lock it down quick. It's the most recognizable remnant of the old B.C. penitentiary in New Westminster. And our Linda Aylesworth has a look back at its history and the unique features the new owners will enjoy. Want to own a piece of British Columbia's dark history? Well, here's your chance. Well, it was built in 1878, and it was a federal prison, and it was the only federal prison west of Manitoba. It is the gatehouse, or castle, one of the two remaining buildings of what was the B.C. Penitentiary in New Westminster, and it can be yours for just under $6 million. It's, a, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the oldest buildings. It's 160, approximately 160 years of age, and it's got a lot of history. History that isn't evident in the upper floors. Since the prison was decommissioned in 1980, they've been used for office space and a restaurant. No, if you want history, you have to venture into the bowels of the building. Now this is uh, the basement of the castle. This is all of these doors 150 years ago was solitary confinement. Each individual door held serial killers, murderers, the baddest people in society. In the day, a prisoner could spend months, even years, in these dank windowless cells. During the infamous 1963 prison hostage-taking and riots, one of the prisoners' demands was not to be placed in what they called the hole. I'd come downstairs by myself and shut the lights off, and I'd, I'd get a little scared. Yeah, I do. But you got to admit, it's a great storage space. And upstairs, the possibilities are endless. This is great for a church because uh, if you, down the hallway, there's, uh, there's a hall. So in that hall, you can have 150 seats. And if you also want to purchase the $9 million jailhouse up the hill, Sutton Centre Realty can cut you a deal. This would be fantastic to own. You're owning a piece of heritage. Not only that it's 160 years of age, it's got 12-inch concrete walls. Nothing like this in Vancouver is built like this again. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Personal connection for you. I did not know that until like five seconds five ago. Five seconds ago. I know I left that. My mom used to work at the PC pen. Wow. A long, wow. I've never been there. She worked there. Right. Worked. You didn't have bring your kid to work day. There. No. Okay. <laughs> Good thing. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks have standards that every player must adhere to. And it's veterans like linebacker Bobby Wagner who will keep you in line. Standard of, you know, what is expected of you. Um, is your play as your role. And Seahawk players have stayed in line so well, Seattle has not had a player test positive for COVID-19. 
Also coming up tonight, satellite debris. The sour note for the Canucks today. <laughs> yes. Needless to say, that's a good one, actually. Uh, Mark Donnelly uh, confirmed to media outlets that he'll be singing O Canada at a rally against COVID-19 restrictions tomorrow. But he won't ever sing O Canada at Canuck games again because of that. Uh, Canucks owner Francesco Aquilini tweeted out this afternoon that Donnelly is now the Canucks' former anthem singer because of this. And then he followed it up with a hashtag wear a mask on his Twitter site. Well, it looks like the NHL is no longer hoping to start its season on January 1st. It'll be closer to February 1st, with uh, early January now being used for training camps. Also, it looks like the best the NHL could do is a 56-game season, but they're also talking about possibly 52 or 48 games, and I think 48 is pretty much as low as they would go, but nothing has been settled yet. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are not only first in their division, they are first in the fight against COVID-19. The Seahawks are the only team in the NFL not to have one of its players test positive this season. They've been on this since the start of training camp in late July. It was then they kind of put a bubble-like atmosphere together, even telling players don't eat in restaurants all season. In other words, make personal sacrifices so the team doesn't have to suffer in any way. They did what they needed to do to get the win. The Seahawks seem to have righted the ship after a slight wobble that saw them drop three of four games. But since then, they've won two straight and are back on top of the NFC West. But all of that momentum could stop in its tracks with a positive COVID test. Seattle have a single one. Yes, they've been vigilant, but what can't be understated is the team's leadership group. Players like Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner demand everyone be accountable, especially when carelessness could lead to positive tests that affect the entire team. You walk in knowing the standard and knowing the standard of, you know, what is expected of you um, is your play, as your role, whatever your role is. You know, we have a certain way of carrying ourselves. We have a certain way of going about our business. And, um, you know, I think that's important for everybody to know because, you know, you either get on board or you don't last that long here. The Seahawks have taken additional steps to make sure they don't suffer the same fate as the Denver Broncos, who were caught without any quarterbacks for their game last week versus New Orleans because of COVID. Starting this week, third-string quarterback Danny Etling will not have any physical contact with Russell Wilson and backup Geno Smith, just in case. If we had, you know, heaven forbid, some kind of a, a, a circumstance, he would not be considered connected to those guys. We trust that he can go to all the meetings, all the, the you know, virtually stay with us. He'll work out and, and all that kind of stuff um, apart from those guys, and we'll keep him available. So that that is our guy. Seattle does welcome a Giants team that's won three straight, but New York will have to contend with a Seahawk defense that's got its mojo back. Seattle's recorded a league-high 19 sacks in their past four games after getting just 12 in the first seven. The biggest thing we've been able to get up to the quarterback, been to uh, you know sack the quarterback, which is not allow us to have to cover for so long or so far downfield. And so I think all of that plays hand in hand from the front to the secondary. We definitely can feel the momentum of, of, of the shift happening. And, and this is what we've been waiting for. We all had to be patient because we all want to see it go. And, but uh, now it's time to keep proving it. You know, and, and because we did something last week, it doesn't mean anything you know, unless we do it again. So uh, if we can play like we've been playing, 
we got a chance, and it could be a real good uh, complimentary aspect of our club. Defender Kadisha Buchanan is Canada's Female Soccer Player of the Year. She plays for Olympique Lyonnais in France, and they've dominated France and Europe. They've won the Champions League four times, including this year. This is the third time she's been named Canada's top female player. Not only has she won medals in Europe, she has also won Olympic bronze with Canada in the 2016 Games. And Christine Sinclair was second in the voting. Wow. But she's won it 14 times, so she's got plenty of medals. Got her time. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Jada Rant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Thank you, Sophie. BC's Ministry of Health dropping a bombshell report this afternoon, raising concerns about the Provincial Health Service's authority and their spending. Plus, first responders were on scene after a train crashed into a semi-truck in the Langley Township. It happened at the CN Crossing on 256 and 88. The fire chief says luckily no one was hurt, but the semi-trailer, which was carrying a load of lumber, is heavily damaged. We'll have those stories and a lot more tonight at 11. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jay. And we're back in a moment with Squire and Satellite Debris. Stick around. We Way made to end it. a long week. We made it through another week yeah. somehow. <laughs> And, then, got, yeah, and we made it through just for you, Squire. Oh, I was going to say, I, I appreciate that. Thanks for pulling through. Uh, oh, so we're going to start off with another uh, Christmas-themed commercial. This one, including dogs. Someone asked me today in a newsroom, are you going to have dogs in the show? Of course I'm going to have dogs. It's satellite debris. And these dogs are promoting Microsoft. <laughs> Master Chief was in that too. That makes it huge. Uh, okay, we had dogs. Now we have a lobster. <laughs> I can't believe it. That there's a lobster in our hot tub? Oh, you guys. There's a jet. Oh, I needed this. 
No. I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on a car insurance for Geico. We could have been doing this a long time ago. So you're gonna stay in the hotel? Yeah, we just got married. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm afraid of commitment. You know, I'm being boiled alive. Oh, shoot. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. <gasps> that guy's the worst. <laughs> you're a lobster. They never think you'd be in the hot tub. They think that would be the last I'm worried place about go. that lobster, though, in the hot tub. Okay, uh, we've showed this one before, I think a couple of years ago. I love it. It's the uh, dangers of dad jokes. I walked into the kitchen yesterday, and I said to my dad, Hey, I'm hungry. And my dad said, Hi, hungry. I'm dad. on the table. He looks right at me and said, oh no, I have just peed on the table. Dad asked me, have you heard about the new movie, Constipation? I was all like, what? No. And he said, it never came out. It's a movie, Constipation. My dad and I were going past the aquarium. He said to me, how many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? And he said, ten tickles. Like, what? Oh, tentacles. Hey, Dad, can you make me a sandwich? And what did Dad say? Abracadabra, you are a sandwich. I guess I am a sandwich. Well, not being a dad, I, uh, I don't feel like that's directed at me. Where do you... Seems How like quality material. Just, when you become a dad and it happens. Most of my jokes come yeah. from my nine-year-old son. <laughs> magical. Okay. Yeah. It's a skill. It's an art, really, just is what like it that is. Music. More sunshine this weekend, Christy. <laughs> yes, Saturday's looking really nice, everyone. Enjoy. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for watching. I'm waiting for the punchline. <laughs> I don't have one. You think I do that now?